0: الحمد لله الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن سيدنا وسندنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا ومولانا محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ولا يغتب بعضكم بعضا أيحب أحدكم أن يأكل لحم أخيه ميتاً فكرهتموه واتقوا الله إن الله تواب رَّحِيمٌ صدق الله صدق الله مولانا العظيم وصدق رسوله النبي الحبيب الكريم ونحن على ذلك من الشاهدين والشاكرين والحمد لله رب العالمين Honorable ulama, respected hufaz, beloved brothers and elders. We all know <clears throat> we are going through this most blessed month of Sha'ban. A month prior to this, we all were reciting the dua Allahumma Barik lana fi Rajab wa Sha'ban wa Balligna Ramadan. Allah bless us in these two months of Rajab and Sha'ban allow us to safely reach the month of Ramadan. Our du'as are still continuing. May Allah allow every one of us to see this Ramadan and many many more Ramadans to come. This is only one month in the year, in which from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa we are taught to make du'a two months in advance to reach this Mubarak month. There are many months in the year which are special, which are virtuous, which hold a very high rank in the sight of Allah, but only for Ramadan do we make this dua two months in advance, O oh Allah, allow us to reach the month of Ramadan. A month which has virtue more than we can comprehend. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa said so clearly, that this month is Shaharun mubarak, a month full of blessing, Shaharun azim, a great month, a month in which people are freed from the fire of Jahannam, a month in which leave alone the day and the night, every second is blessed. A month in which there is a night which is better than a thousand months. The night of Qadr, the Laylatul Qadr, so mubarak, so blessed. Every day there is a dua, somewhere along the day, the 24 hours of the day and night, in which any, any dua you make at that time, that dua is guaranteed answered. These were specialities given to the Anbiya of the past, that when they asked, the duas were answered, and here Allah is blessing us with this great virtue, an extremely great month. Like the virtue is so much, we've heard, we've read, and we'll continue reading, about how great this Mubarak month is. You start off any action, one one faraz act is multiplied 70 times, the nafal act is like a faraz act, but like the virtue is so much, so many, so enormous. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam highlights and brings to our attention something even more important than the virtue. The virtue is reigning, it's so much. But we find in the hadith, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, Rubba saimin Siyamihi illa al-ju'ah. Many people will be fasting from the morning right till Sunset from Subh Sadiq till Maghrib, they'll be staying away from food, from drink. They'll be staying away from eating or drinking anything. But what will they get from that fast? Nothing but hunger. The only thing they'll get from that fast is staying away and keeping their stomachs empty. Otherwise, they'll get no virtue whatsoever. Wa min illa sahar. Some people will be standing the night in salah. They will be standing, engaging in tarawih, but they'll get nothing from that ibadat except tiring their bodies and straining their legs. They'll get no virtue whatsoever. In the quran al kareem Surah Kahf, a surah that we recite regularly on a Friday. Allah asks the question, Bil Should I inform you, of those who will be in the worst of positions. They'll be absolute losers as far as their deeds are concerned. Those whose efforts will all be wasted in this world. They are thinking, their frame of mind is we're engaging in good, this avenue, that avenue, so much of good but all their deeds are rendered void. Really, this is something to be scared scared about. And we need to discuss this point before the month of Ramadan comes, so that we do not fall into this category. My work today is not to frighten someone, not to make someone disillusioned, not to demoralize someone. But if we aren't aware of the loss that we can experience, It mustn't be on the day of Eid when everyone is celebrating and we're expecting to have great reward. Our rewards are all gone down the drain. We haven't gained anything. So Muhaddithin explained under that hadith we discussed, many people will be fasting, but they'll get nothing but hunger. The reason is, whilst they stayed away from food and drink, they stayed away from eating and drinking, they made the correct niyat at heart, but there were certain deeds that they carried out whilst they were fasting, that rendered the reward of that fast null and zero. Now these are the deeds we got to be careful about. These are the things we got to be watchful about and ensure that we guard ourselves and our families from engaging in any of these actions, so that we do not end up as losers on the day of Qiyamah. So one action that Rasulullah wasallam specially highlighted, that we need to be careful about, and when we speak of preparation in rajab and Shaaban, we need to guard ourselves from this action from rajab Shaaban, so that in ramadan the habit is built and inshallah throughout the rest of the year we'll stay away from this this evil deed nabi sallallahu alayhi specially highlighted and he made he taught us that sometimes people they stay away from the physical food and physical drink but they engage in eating, they engage in consuming flesh which is haram during their fast. They're not touching that flesh. But here, Rasulullah is referring to an ayat of Quran in which Allah says, Do any of you enjoy, love, like, take passion in eating the flesh? Of your dead Muslim brother, do you enjoy this? Do you like it? No, fakrih You dislike it. There is an action in Deen that is equal to eating the flesh of your dead Muslim brother, and that's something we term and call in Shariah as ghibat backbiting. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam asked Sahaba, "Do you know atadrona malghiba?" Do you know what's the definition of backbiting? Sahaba replied, No, Allahu wa رسوله أعلم. Allah and His Rasul best. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam went on to explain, ذِكْرُكَ أَخَاكَ bima yakra. Making any mention of your brother, your sister, anyone, dead or alive, in a way that they would dislike how and what you're saying about them. If you're engaging in that, this is Ghibat Imam Nawawi rahmatullah he says, سَوَاهُن ذَكَرْتَهُ bilisanik." اَوْ كَتَبْتَهُ بِيَدِكْ اَوْ رَمَزْتَ إِلَيْهِ بِعَيْنِكْ اَوْ بِرَأْسِكْ Whether you say it verbally, or whether you write it down or type it out in a message, or whether you even imitate him, making a sign with your head or your eye, but in a way that hurts him, this is termed as Ribat. And this is one deed that will render all our actions null and void. We expected to see a lot in our book of deeds. We expected at the end of Ramadan, that we fasted the entire month. But when the records are looked at, it's all zero. Because whilst we were fasting, this is what we did. In the time of Rasulullah a complaint was brought, that two women are experiencing difficulty, extreme difficulty whilst fasting. And they were requesting to break their fast. Rasulullah ﷺ had sent to them a goblet, a cup. He sent a goblet, a cup, a utensil. They let this utensil go to these two women and ask them to vomit into the utensil. When that utensil was brought before them, one woman vomited, and what came out? It was blood, pus, and pieces of flesh. When the next woman vomited, the goblet, the cup was filled with their vomit. They were surprised because they hadn't consumed flesh for sehri. What was this? Rasulullah wa said, they refrained from eating flesh, meat, whilst they were fasting. But they engaged in biting people whilst they were in the condition of rosa. As a result, the rosa became difficult and their thawab became nullified. This happened in the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And this is something he warned us so strongly against not to engage in ghibat of anyone at any time. And remember, ghibat is so serious. The person saying it, the person speaking, and the person listening are both the same. Whether you said it, or you listened to it, whether you wrote it, or whether you read it, either way, you're engaging in ghibat, you need to be refraining from this. So in Ghibat you get the active participant and you get the passive participant. Both of them are exactly the same. You're going to stay away from this act as far as possible in the Quran Karim. Allah Ta'ala commands us that When you see people engaging in this wrong deed, then turn away until they engage in a different discussion. وَإِمَّا الشَّيْطَانِ But if Shaitan causes you to forget, الظالمين, Move away from the gathering, don't be a participant to any aspect of ghibat. Don't, don't be part of this because, you'll be equal in crime. When you want to understand the seriousness of a crime, then just look at how serious Rasulullah had taken it. He was a man who was blessed with the knowledge of the former, all the former people, and all the latter to come to the day of Qiyamah. All the Anbiya alayhi knowledge, Nabi alayhi wasalam was blessed with it. He saw what we didn't see. He understood what we will never even comprehend ever in our lives. He saw Jannah. he saw Jahannam. Let's understand how serious he took this aspect of Ghibat. On one occasion, Hazrat Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasalam, was al-Aisha radiyallahu ta'ala anha? We know Nabi alayhi salatu wa salam was blessed with many wives through the command and instruction of Allah wa ta'ala. And it's normal, it's natural. When a person has many people under him, everyone wants the, the, the favor and the attention and love of the senior. So all the Azwaaji ta'harat, they wanted Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam special love. Aisha anha on one occasion she made mention not in a bad way but t- trying to um, win the love of Rasulullah She made a comment about Safiya r.a. Safiya anha was obviously originally from a Jewish tribe and she came into the marriage of Rasulullah she accepted Islam but she wasn't very tall. So Aisha radiallahu anha latched on to this one aspect and she, she said to Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, حَسْبُكَ Safiyata Kada wa Safiya, you know, it's sufficient to be a fault on Safiya's side that she's, you know, just like this. Meaning, ta'ni qasiratan. She's short. She's not very tall. Now obviously, if you're gonna comment about someone's height in front of someone else, in a derogatory way, they wouldn't appreciate it, this is ghibat. Nabi ﷺ didn't overlook it. He didn't say, no, it's my wife, let me just carry on. He told Aisha radiallahu anha, takallamti bi kalimatin." O Aisha, you mentioned such a phrase, If this one phrase of yours, which comprises of only a few words, if this one phrase is thrown and put into the, the water of the ocean, this one phrase is so rotten, it's so toxic, that it would overcome and overwhelm the acidity of the sea. That sea water, anything you put into it, it'll dissolve it. It's so salty, but this, if there's anything that can convert, and get overwhelmed and overcome the salty nature of the sea, it's one statement of ghibat. Rasulullah ﷺ was walking once, and a terrible smell had emerged. Nabi alayhi asked the sahaba, do you all know what smell is this? A dirty, filthy, rotten smell. They said, no. He said, this is the scent and the smell of those people who engage in khibat. You and I think, it's one statement we made. It's just some words we uttered, it's just gonna go into hot air, and it's gonna disappear. No. Our one statement is corrupting the environment around us. When we find we don't have the drive, people are reading Quran, they're coming for salah, they're engaging in dhikr, they're doing so much of ibadat, but we're finding there's a a restriction from our side. What's the problem? We've corrupted our environment, we've corrupted our homes, we've engaged in actions that Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam doesn't like. We may not be getting that smell, but that smell is moving all around us and corrupting everyone around us. On one occasion Hazrat Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam is going for Hajj this was about the final year of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam's life Hajjatul Wada the last farewell Hajj on this trip the azwaj mutahharat with him the sahaba radiyallahu anhum are with him remember Nabi alayhi wasallam only did one Hajj only performed one Hajj what an honor it must have been to be with him whilst they were moving the, the camel of safiya radiallahu anha her conveyance became ill it couldn't move very well nabi sallallahu alaihi sallam suggested to zainab radiallahu anha o zainab you've got an extra conveyance lend your extra conveyance to safiya radiallahu anha she made a comment and she said ana u'ti da'idi hadha ila tilka should i lend my camel to that jewess should i lend my camel to that jewess obviously there was a rivalry Nabi sallallahu wasallam never took the statement on the surface. He stopped talking to Hazrat Zainab. He stopped talking because of one statement. He took the statement so serious because she's a Muslim and you're calling her a non Muslim. She's a Muslim, you're calling her a Jewess. She never mean the reality of the statement, but Nabi alayhi took it so serious, he never wanted to speak and be in the company of someone who engaged in ghibat, Hazrat Zainab anha says, it was the month of Hajj, Zul-Hijjah. The whole month passed, the Rasulullah never speak to me. Then we went on to after Zul-Hijjah, we went on to Muharram, he never speak to me. Safar, he never speak to me. Three months. Three months he stopped speaking because of one statement. Because this is what it meant to Rasulullah Hazrat Zaynab anh, says, Hatta ya istu minhu. until I reached a point that I felt Nabi is now going to separate himself from me. I'm not going to be his wife anymore. Only when Rabiul Al entered, that's when Rasulullah came to my house and began visiting me and speaking to me as normal because Ghibat is so, so serious. So, respect, the elders and friends, this is the call of the day. If we are not going to guard ourselves and train ourselves in these months prior to Ramadan, it's likely in Ramadan we'll engage in an action that will render our deeds void. But the beauty of deen, Rasulullah brought this deen, which is the most perfect deen, which is the most beautiful deen, and this deen is all completely balanced. When Nabi ﷺ or deen or Allah Ta'ala prevents us from doing something, They'll always give us something to do in return. If deen is saying don't make zina, then deen will also tell us, you can engage in nikah. If deen is telling us not to do something, deen will show us a way out. So like we are taught not to engage in ghibat, not to engage in haram, there must be something we can do to counter that. And therefore Nabi alayhi salatu wassalam what did he say? He says in the month of Ramadan, I ask you to engage in four actions. You and I, when our fathers, our ustads, our grandparents, anyone of seniority, he says, I'm giving you an advice. Please take this and carry it out. People go to different parts of the world and they say, you know what, this buzluk gave me one wazifa. He gave me one zikr. We hold so firmly onto that zikr and that wazifa. Here yeah, the Rasul of Allah is teaching us, I am instructing Every one of you, every ummati of mine, in the month of Ramadan, you must engage in four actions. Four statements. What are these four? Number one, engage in reciting La ilaha illallah, in abundance. A kalima we read from the time we're born. When we, the first words we hear and Allah make it the last words, we'll recite La ilaha illallah, recite this in abundance. Number two, recite Astaghfirullah. Ask Allah for forgiveness. Number three, ask Allah for jannat. Number four, ask Allah protection from Jahannam. Four simple things. What is Nabi alayhi salatu teaching us? Engage your tongue in the right deeds and automatically you'll be saved from the wrong. If you're concentrating on reciting La ilaha illallah, astaghfirullah, asking Allah for jannat and seeking protection from Jahannam, you will not have time to engage in khibat. You will not have time to use your tongue in the wrong avenues because it's always being spent in what it's supposed to be spent. In one hadith, Nabi alayhi salatu he advised us and he taught us. Remember, we are moving every day, we're looking for some power or the other. We walk out the masjid or we walk in the masjid, we're going home, we're going to our businesses and people complain, Mulana, you know, whatever is happening, sometimes shaitan has the better over me. I'm trying my best to stay away from this wrong and that wrong, but I get caught up. What did Nabi alayhi salatu wa do? You want a weapon? You want something? You want a tool to use to fight against shaitan? Any enemy you engage with, you need a weapon and a tool to fight with him. Nabi alayhi salatu wa what did he say? Alaykum, bila ilaha illallah wal istighfar fa akthiru min Nabi sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, let me tell you, engage in two actions, and not just on an ordinary level, do them in abundance. Why? Then Iblis said, "Ahlatun Nasabid Zunub, wa Ahlakuni bilailaha illallah walistiqfar." Iblis, the Prophet is quoting what Shaitan said. Shaitan's statement is recorded in the Hadith. Shaitan says, "Ahlatun Nasabid Zunub." When I want to destroy people, overcome them, overwhelm them, overpower them, and get them into my clutches, and all I do is. I get them in sin. This is the way I drop human beings. This is the way I involve them in haram and I bring them closer to me and distant away from Allah Ta'ala. Then Nabi alayhi salatu Wasalam says, let me give you two weapons, O insan. Let me put two weapons in your hand. Because shaitan says, I destroy them, I put them off. But then there are two weapons they use against me and they gain the upper hand on me through these two weapons. And what are these two? La ilaha illallah and istighfar recite this in abundance because shaitan himself is saying any effort that i do on people it all gets broken down just because of them reciting la ilaha illallah and istighfar these are two special vicars. nabi is asking us to engage in in this mubarak month of ramadan let's not wait for ramadan to come for us to start it rajab and shaban rajab is over shaban is here we are on the doorstep of Ramadan. Let's start the dhikrs now, so that this becomes a means of us being saved and protected from engaging in anything haram during the mubarak months of Ramadan. This is the way, when, the, when deen is teaching us, don't do something, it will also show us Do something else so that you can guard yourself and be protected against that harm that shaitan is going to bring to us. So all the message is simple. Let's hold on to la ilaha illallah. Let's hold on to al-istighfar. And really when we do this, one person we spoke to the other day, he made mention that just by reciting these simple dhikrs, we're asking you to engage in a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand or something difficult for you. All you have to do is, Recite La ilaha illallah, astaghfirullah to the best of your ability. He says the amount of composure, the amount of concentration, the way things began working out for him, just because of him reciting these. Nabi alayhi salatu said, the best dhikr you can engage in is La ilaha illallah. We want to do a lot of things, engage in La ilaha illallah. A simple way to achieve that is, to keep one of these tasbih counters, whether it's a rotary tasbih, or whether it's an electronic tasbih, keep that in our hands, recite this in abundance, and see how Allah aids and assists us. One narration has recorded, is recorded in this manner, that anyone who recites La ilaha illallah 70,000 times, this becomes a means of deliverance for that person from the fire of Jahannam. You recite this a 70,000, one set of 70,000, Allah will save you from the fire of Jahannam. There are people in our community, in our midst, who have multiple of these sets, multiple sets like this. And every time someone passes away, they send the thawab to them. People complain, I'm not hafiz. People complain, I'm not so pious. Sit with that tasbih counter and recite as much as you can. If that number reaches at 70,000, really, you are benefiting yourself, you're benefiting others. One person we met personally, who has multiple of these sets, we asked him how he engages in this. So he said, my secret is, I keep my mouth closed. I don't engage in conversation where I'm not supposed to. I just got my tasbih. When I'm walking to the car, I'm going home, I'm going to work. My tasbih is moving. And he says in a day sometimes, 5,000, 10,000 is covered. So let us guard our moments. Use this time before Ramadan to spend and use our tongues in the right thing so that we are safe from the wrong. May Allah bless us with the tawfiq to practice.